For I regret that I made them. Noah, however, you know, found favor with the Lord. These are the family records of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries. Noah walked with God, and Noah fathered three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. The earth was filled with wickedness. God saw how corrupt the earth was for every creature. And, I mean, for every creature had corrupted its way on the earth. Then God said to Noah, I have decided to put an end to every creature, for the earth is filled with wickedness because of them. Therefore, I am going to destroy them among, along with the earth. Now, verse 18 says, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark with your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives. You are also to bring into the ark two of all the living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Verse 22 says, and Noah found, I mean, did this. He did everything that God had commanded him. Now, let's take our seats. May the Lord bless his words, his red words in our hearts uh, this morning in, in Jesus' name. Um, I, let, let me permit me to take this time to say thank you to Pastor Nate Bishop and his family for the privilege uh, they have given me to come and stand and proclaim God's word. And thank you to the leadership of the church. I, I appreciate this wonderful honor uh, to proclaim God's word. And, and so this morning we are going to be uh, dealing with something that I have actually considered that I want you to know that in the midst of great sin, there is greater grace. And so our topic this morning is going to be great sin, greater grace. Great sin, greater grace. 2017, December 26, we were privileged to visit the Noah's Ark encounter and then while we were there, just looking at the, the amazing, gigantic structure that, that was made with, with, with all the technology that was put in and, and how amazing it is to be right inside and to hear all the sounds of the animals and, and to hear the thunder and like a kind of a rain that is pouring out. While we were there, the Lord used the Noah's Ark encounter to bring our daughter, Abby, to faith in Christ. And that day, that year ended, it ended well with us because the Lord has saved not only our biological daughter, but he has saved a person that has turned to become our sister in the Lord. And so, when, when, when you go to Genesis chapter 6, you, you know the story of Noah, and then, you know, it connects quickly to the issue of the, the, or the, the story of the ark. And the ark is not far away from us here. Now, looking at the context, verses 1 to 4 sets the context for us. 
Now, it records the degeneration of the culture uh, of that age and time or that generation. Now, in verses 1 to 2, now, if you look at it critically, you discover that it is talking about what can be considered as a marriage demonized because it talks about the sons of God married to the daughters of men. And then if you go a little bit further to verse 3, that you will see that life was shortened. There was a reason for that. God shortened life to maximum of 120. And then if you move a little bit further to verse 4, then you would see that violence was idolized in their time and their context. Now, all of these things in verses 1 to 4 gives us that picture. And so the, the picture that Moses gives is a picture of a thoroughly demonized civilization of their own time. It was a picture that shows how immorality was on the increase in their own context. And of course, if you go down history, now you will discover there are many appearances of some of the evil that happened even at the time and generation of Noah. Now, if you go to the time of the Canaanites, there was the Canaanite Baal worship, and it was a kind of a worship that is exemplified in what is called the phallic or sexual violence in their own time. Now, if you go a little bit further, you, you discover there was in history a time of the Herodians. The Herodians were political sect during the time of Jesus who was in support of Herod Antipas. And those set of people were also violent set of people. They were terrible set of people. Now, if you go a little bit down in history, then you would get to a time where Nero was an emperor in Rome. And there was also a time of Caligula, who was also an emperor in Rome. Those guys were brutal. At their own time, Nero was even called evil because he was the one that killed Christians. He burned them alive as streetlights during his own time. And during the time of Emperor Caligula, he made himself to be a god that the people would worship him at their own time. So history has taken us through to understand that some of these many appearances of the context of Noah has continued. And even to our time. And that is why I appreciate what Ken Hughes said to us in one of his commentaries on the book of Genesis. Now listen to what he says and ponder on that. He says that today, though I would not go as far as to say that Western culture is demonized. I will say, though, that the signs are growing more threatening. Certainly, a demonization of sexual relations has taken place. How can you conclude otherwise when 
at a given times on the major networks, you can view men on top of women and women on top of men and same-sex individuals engage false sexual intercourse. How can you think otherwise when the daytime talk shows will align any subject with the most horrifying disappointment? How can you think otherwise when the holy name of God is blasphemed by current fashion? How? While the most holy things of God has been subjected to indecent jokes. How can you suppose otherwise when so many of the heroes of our culture are men of renown, are violent? Do you think, according to Hughes, do you think that WWF, the World uh, Wrestling Federation, is a joke? I hope not. That's why he says. Sensuality, of course, what that means is the pursuits of sexual pleasure, violence, comic, you know, uh, 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 book fantasy. And he talks about also steroids. And he talks about Viagra. He talks about blood. And he says that this is what the busybodies and the onlookers drink. They delight in these things. The next time you read of someone beating to death, remember all the negative models that were out there. Video stores rent movies of animal attacks on people so you can view the real thing, how people are devouring one another while sitting down, eating popcorn, and watching. Truly, Hugh says, this is a feast of demons. Think about that. In our time and our generation, what is going on out there? The implication here, though, is that if you look at Genesis 6 from the beginning, now you would see this idea of evil, Satan and demons taking over the culture. In fact, the way they took over the culture, it was faster than the population. It was faster than even the population at that time. <clears throat> so think about the time that we are in today. When you look at that, then you can conclude that truly there is great sin. Truly. There is great sin because the demonic powers are on the seats of the driver. Now, one thing that I have come to realize in life is that whenever there is a generation that tolerates sin, another generation will come up to accept it, embrace it, and possibly normalize it then you would have another generation that would come up because it has been normalized. They will celebrate it. You know, Moses here in, in verse 5, it is clear that he says to us that the Lord saw the wickedness and the corruption 
that has taken over the earth and God understood that truly this is human depravity after all that I have done on earth that I myself declared in Genesis chapter 1 verse 31 that everything that I have created is good yet not within a distant time there was a generation that was full of evil and corruption and wickedness. And God saw that in that time. And God understood that the evil of the people was progressive. It was progressive. The best description of this kind of human depravity or the impact of that human depravity is well captured by Isaiah. When Isaiah says to us in Isaiah 26, I mean 29 verse 16, Isaiah says that you have turned things around as if the porter were the clay. How can what is made say about its maker, he didn't make me? How can what is formed say about the one who formed it, he doesn't understand what he is doing? How can we human Think about God that way. That was the kind of depravity that existed in the time and generation of Noah. Apostle Paul, of course, expounds more on that in Romans chapter 1 from verses 1 to 24 where he says that to understand human depravity, then you need to understand that the whole idea is when someone is worthless in thought. When someone is sexually impure, the kind that is not even natural. When someone exchanges the truth for a lie. When there is the worship of the creator instead of the creator. And that Paul expounded more to us in that place. And because of what was happening, God was angry with man. In verse 6, it stated clearly that their depravity was not just a temporal kind of depravity. God, the one who sees all things, was able to understand exactly what was going on in the mind of the people. And God knew that this, type, this kind of people would not relent. He knows that they would not repent. He knows. And because of that, God had to act. Now, the psalmist captures that well to me when, when he, he expresses uh, uh, the nature of man as, as, as I mean, in, in Psalm 14, verse 3, when he says that all have torn away. And that was what happened. The people in that generation, they've all torn away. All alike have become corrupt. There is no one that does good. Not even one. They've turned away from God. The Lord who sees their heart had to pass judgment in verse 7. If you look at verse 7, you will see that divine judgment of the Lord coming upon the earth. The Lord was grieved. He was angry. And he passed that divine judgment. And God 
God's judgment was not going to be reversed. It was irrevocable at that time. I am going to deal with these people for what I have seen. God was going to destroy them. God, of course, was going to bring a judgment that is going to be complete upon the earth that would destroy both men and animals upon the earth. Now, if you go uh, uh, and, and further, then you discover how God acted in the life of Noah. But one thing that I, that I realized is that God acted that way because there was great sin. He acted that way because there was great sin. But even in the midst of that great sin, there was greater grace. And that was why, you know, God himself extended grace to Noah. And listen to me, in our time and our generation, with all the chaos that is out there, we can conclude that there is great sin. But even in the midst of it, there is greater grace. There is greater grace. Now listen, listen to why, why we said so. Peter was the one actually that captures that very well. When Peter in 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 5 and verse 7 says about, you know, Noah. He said, in the midst of that, God protected Noah. And then in verse 7, he said, in the midst of the chaos in the time and generation of Lord, God protected Lord. Why? He says, those were righteous people. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Lord was a righteous person. And then Peter went further to say that, in verse 9 of, of, of that, that chapter 2, he says that the Lord knows how to rescue us. He knows how to rescue the godly from trials. He knows. And the Lord knows how to keep the unrighteous to the day of judgment. Now, that, that, that brings us down. Let's look at Noah now and, and and try to examine his life. Now, Noah, when he was born by his father Lamech, if you go back a little bit to chapter 5, verse 29 of chapter 5, then you discover that Lamech made a prophecy about his son Noah. And that's one thing with, I understand with, with some, some kind of a culture uh, that is more of African and African-American culture that people find meanings attached to names, right? And, and, and that was exactly what happened here. The meaning of Noah was the name that was actually, that he carries. And so Lamech, you know, says in Genesis chapter 5, verse 29, that the one will, I mean, this one, that's referring to Noah, this one will bring us relief. Some translations will say, this one will bring us rest from the agonizing labor of our hands caused by the ground that the Lord had caused. Now remember, in Genesis 3, there was a judgment that was passed that brought about the, 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 the destruction of the entire universe in, in such a way that things went bad. Now, Noah, in his time and generation, was able to build the ark and to save his own people. 
And so what, what, what that Lamech is saying here is, is seen in the life of Noah. But before then, let's see how this prophecy unfolded in the life of Noah. Of course, he found favor. And the word favor and the word for grace is the same. So in another word, we can say Noah found grace with God in verse 8. And then we can see how Noah also had faith in God. The book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 tells us about the faith of Noah. And Noah also obeyed God's instructions in verse, chapter 6 verse 22. It tells us clearly that Noah did everything that the Lord instructed him to do. And then if you go to chapter 7 verse 5, the same thing is said there. Noah did everything that the Lord had instructed him to do. So he obeyed God. And that faith came from righteousness. Noah brought rest to his people at that time. And one thing I, I have seen in the text is that that rest was not just at that time. But listen, God made a covenant with Noah. Uh, what theologians would call the Noahic covenant. And then you can trace that further to the time of Abraham. There was the Abrahamic covenant. God made a covenant with Abraham. Okay? And then you can still go further to the time of David. There was the Davidic covenant. God made a covenant with David. And then God said through the line of David, the Messiah is going to come. And the Messiah will come to give us rest. And he would give us ultimate rest when he returns again. That we would not experience the suffering that we are suffering in the world that we live today. And so you can point to the rest that Noah brought to his time and generation to the time of Jesus that is to come for all of us to experience ultimate rest here on earth. Now, when I looked at that in the text, now I discovered that in that text, there are key points to salvation. Number one is that the grace of God. Noah found grace with God. And there was an issue of faith Noah had faith in God. And then there was the issue of obedience. Noah translated his faith into obedience. And he walked for the glory of God to bring about the salvation of humanity in his time and generation. And that's exactly what Paul points to us in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 to 10. When Paul says to us, for you are saved by grace through faith and this is not from yourself. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God had prepared for us ahead of time. All of these important things, we've seen this unfolding in the life of Noah. Noah responded to God's grace. And that's one thing that is important to us today. That we need to respond to God's grace. When in the midst of sin there is greater grace. Then believers are expected to respond to that greater grace. In the midst of 
uh, seen Noah had God's message and Noah believed it. No wonder scripture tells us in Romans chapter 10 verse 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. Noah didn't listen to the words of men because confusion comes through the words of men. He listened to the word of God and that built his faith. And that faith we have seen it translated into good works. He obeyed God and built the ark at that time. No wonder James was not contradicting Paul when James, in James chapter 2 verse 17 says that faith without works is dead. It wasn't a contradiction. So Noah did an amazing walk there that is serving as an example for us today. Martin Luther talks to us about, you know, the Bible, you know, the great reformer. And in, in one of his works, especially volume 9 and 24, he says that the Bible is alive. I, I love this quote here. The Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It speaks to me. It has feet. Now, listen, it has feet. It runs after me. Even when you are running away from God, it runs after you. Except if you have not gone to the Bible. It runs after you. And it takes hold of you. That's what the Bible does. When you go to it, when you read it, you hear God's word. It takes hold of you. Today, there is greater grace. There is greater grace. God is not going to be angry like in the days of Noah. Isn't that a grace of God for us today? He is not going to be angry like in the days of Noah because even our generation have worse sin than the generation of Noah. And in Psalm 145 verse 8, it tells us that the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in steadfast love. Uh, even in the time of Noah, God expressed his patience when God waited for Noah to construct the ark for a number of years. Some say 70 to 75 years of construction of the ark. Now, when we went to the Noah's Ark Encounter, I discovered that they spent about three, hundred, I mean, three years, three to about three and a half years to construct that. So imagine that with all the technologies that we have today. Three and a half years to construct that. God waited patiently for Noah to construct the ark just so that eight people alone will be saved in the ark. At that time and generation when Noah continues to passionately proclaim the judgment of God that was going to come because Peter tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. At that time. Now, you, one, thing, one thing with grace is that, you know, Randy Alcon tells us uh, that, uh, you know, grace never ignores the awful truth of our depravity. It never ignores that. In fact, it emphasizes it. It, it, it says the worse we realize uh, we are, the greater we realize God's grace. 
the worse you realize who you are, the greater you, really, you realize God's grace. Now imagine now, God is waiting for his son, Jesus Christ, who has gone to prepare a beautiful place, what you can call the celestial city. He is busy preparing. It is only God that knows the number of years that Jesus, his very son, will finish this mighty, beautiful walk. And then God would unleash his judgment upon the earth. And those who are the righteous, God would raise them to be with him in that very beautiful celestial city that Jesus, the Son of God, is busy preparing for us today. You need to respond to God's grace. God's greater grace. So that you will escape from the wrath of God. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 24. Jesus says and Matthew and Luke chapter 17 too because they are synoptic gospel. He says that as the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son of Man would be. For in those days before the flood, there were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. Jesus adds to that in Luke chapter 17, verses 28 to 30, when Jesus says, it will be the same like the days of Lot. In the generation of Lot, people went eating and drinking and buying and selling, planting and building, but on the day Lot left Sodom, Fire and sulfur rain from heaven and destroy them all. It will be like that on the day the Son of Man will be revealed. And then if you go to Jude, verse 7, <laughs> Jude says, Sodom and Gomorrah serve as an example for us today. In the days of Noah, The door to the ark was the only door of salvation. It was God himself that shut the door. In our days, the wounds of Jesus is the only door for salvation. In the days of Noah, the wooden ark was the only place of salvation. In our days, the wooden cross of Jesus is the only place of Salvation. It is on the cross that Jesus took upon himself our sins and the wrath of God was poured upon him. It is on the cross that Jesus nailed our iniquities. It is on the cross that Jesus declares it is finished. And what that means is that everything has been paid in full. Beloved, Jesus says in John chapter 10 verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And Jesus went further to say in John chapter 14 verse 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Church, salvation can only be found, at, I mean salvation from great sin can only be found in the greater grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You need to respond to him today. You need to respond 
to him, today, today might be the day of salvation. Today might be the day of salvation. Let us pray. Oh Lord, yes, today might be the day of salvation. We cannot imagine these truths that are embedded in your word to remind us of how generations were destroyed as a result of sin and how even our generation will be destroyed by God's divine judgment that will come upon us to deal with evil, ungodliness, iniquity. And so the only way we can run away from your wrath and your coming destruction, your coming judgment, is to trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior and that which he has done for us on the cross. Oh, blessed Father, is there anyone in our midst, is there anyone that is watching online that does not have a relationship with you? Oh, Father, today is the day of salvation. May their souls come to you. I pray that you have mercy, that you extend greater grace to them and deliver them, oh, blessed Lord, that together we will rejoice in that beautiful celestial city that Jesus is still preparing for us, that he will come back and take us, that we will remain with him and enjoy life with him forever and ever and ever. Lord, help us. Thank you, blessed Father. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.